Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Tracy Sandler Show. I am your host, Tracy Sandler. So excited to be joined today by the great Stefania Bell from ESPN. She's also a very big 49ers fan and recording this the Monday after Sunday Night Football. So I imagine she's in a pretty good mood. Welcome to the show, Stefania. Thank you for having me. You could probably hear me smiling. Is yes, I actually can. I can actually hear you smiling. <laughs> I mean, I it's it's so funny because people at work like everybody knows where our fandom is and you know, I'm not a beat writer, so I don't have to maintain my objectivity. It's not what I do. Uh, as, as you know, I do injury analysis across the board for every sport. So I am an unabashed 49ers fan. Everyone knows it. And uh, everyone has been talking about how good they've looked and they'll always look at me. And I think they're dreading when I'm actually back in the office on Tuesday because uh-huh. uh, I'm going to be insufferable. That's, you know what, that's what I do. It's like me with Michigan and the other beat reporters. And then, of course, when any when Ronnie Bell or Jake Moody breathe. And I'm like, you guys are so good. <laughs> so good. They're just, what fabulous draft picks, you guys. They're so amazing. So I totally get it. I think it's a it's a similar kind of thing. Uh, but the 49ers, a, a dominating beat down, I think it's the best way to put it. We were kind of laughing about that Sunday night. Like, what else can we say? 40 to 10 over the Dallas Cowboys. This was a game that was very highly anticipated. The Cowboys, the Eagles, the 49ers really thought to be the best teams in the NFC. The 49ers just ran away with it. I would like to go ahead and say that I called this. I did say I didn't think it was going to be close. I didn't feel like they, the Cowboys were going to be able to rise to the occasion. I just think there are too many issues there that they are a good, talented team, but for a variety of reasons that we don't actually have to get into because we're not really talking about the Cowboys. I just think that they can't quite get to that next level, but it was a very dominating performance. And I think the thing about this performance, Stefania, it was dominating on every level. It wasn't just like, wow, the defense just had this huge dominating performance and the offense was fine. Like every single person on that field was dominating, anyone wearing red and gold at least. And I think the 49ers did make a statement I'd be hard pressed to say there's a better team in football, at least right now. I, I think you're right. And I think, uh, and again, I'm only laughing because I'm sure people are like, of course, Devon is going to say that. But I believe this is what they call complimentary football. When every aspect, <laughs> you know, they're really firing on all cylinders. And that's what you always worry about is where is this team potentially going to be exposed, right? When you're mm-hmm. playing a top caliber team. And I will tell you that I thought it would be closer. I did not have the 49ers running away with this. Maybe that is a little bit of the fan in me that it, you you worry um, that Cowboys and 49ers have always played tough. And, you know, I'm old enough to remember these matchups going back in the day and they always seem to be divisional, um, it, you know, championship matchups, I should say. I mean, these were big, big games back in the day when the 49ers and the Cowboys met. And so even though it was a regular season game in week five, it had this championship matchup feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just knowing that that these two teams had the potential to go deep into the season. And the thing for Dallas, I looked at them as a team that was wounded on defense coming into this. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a huge loss with uh, 
Trevon Diggs going down with the with an ACL injury. And I, I do feel like that took a little bit of their spirit. Yeah, and then I, I felt like the pressure was there for them to perform on offense and produce numbers that they had. Uh, you know, they've actually looked pretty good. You know, they've put up some big numbers for Dallas in, in a couple of games, but still not as consistently as I think they would have liked. And knowing how much they wanted to do that in this spotlight, I felt like they would play up to that level, perhaps a little more than you did. The Niners, however, stopped them at every turn. And I think what happened for me watching the game was that Dallas just got, they got frustrated because they couldn't succeed in any way. The 49ers were shutting them down. The middle of the field secondary, which has traditionally been a little bit weaker for them. uh, They were strong there. They were quick. They were pressuring Dak. They were getting to him. You know, you got sacks mixed in there with turnovers. Uh, Tony Pollard, who's been such a bright young star for them, getting that punch out from Fred. Well, I'm just laughing because it was ridiculous. It was every mm-hmm. level. And that's where I think when you talk about a team playing at the top echelon, this is where I think they have it over the Eagles right now, who are, I think, the only other undefeated team at the moment. And Correct. perhaps the team um, you could argue is the next best team in the league. Bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I would agree with that. And there's so much to unpack. Let's start with defense because you just mentioned it. Fred Warner, just if possible, underrated. Um, so he had an incredible game on Sunday night, but generally just his presence on the field. And of course, the one-two punch of him and Dre Greenlaw is pretty incredible. But Fred Warner just having an incredible game in every game. He is flying around there. He is everywhere on the field. He's such a leader on that defense. Started to have conversations. People started to bring up Sunday night. Could he be defensive player of the year? It's not normally a linebacker and it's you know often all about sacks. But when you look at the level he's been playing at, it was incredible. But you also mentioned the secondary and I think it's worth talking about that too. I think Diamond Lenore, Kyle Shanahan said this on his Monday conference call, probably had the best game ever for them uh, on Sunday night. And I would agree with that. Charvarius Ward made a couple really big plays, continues to play so well. Uh, Isaiah Oliver is, is really turning into the nickel they want him to be. And those three guys did an incredible job. And I think it was their best performance of the season. And therefore the defense's best performance of the season. Cause I think we saw everybody at the highest level. When you see defenses like the Jets or the Bills or the Cowboys until last night and you hear about uh, how solid the defense is across the board and you even get stars whose names you recognize because they are the stars of those teams, the 49ers gets lauded as a defense, but you rarely hear about individual stars. And so Mm -hmm. for me, part of the joy of last night was seeing Fred Warner, who is such a leader and so skilled uh, in many ways. We saw everything he did last night. He had the punch out, forcing the fumble. He had a sack. He had an interception where he basically had to change direction, come back across the field. Uh, to see him have a game like that 
in a primetime televised game. So he got the national spotlight and to see him get mm-hmm. a postgame interview where his teammates could really give him his his praise. And you never see linebackers get into the postgame interview. Let's be right. honest. So, yeah, it's true. It's so true. Know, to, for him to get recognized in that way, I thought, you know, this is about time because the rest of the country gets to see what I think the NFC West knows about. But um, he's certainly um, underappreciated, I think, in terms of what he brings as a defensive leader. I could not agree more. And the defense was really really going on all cylinders. And I think it was last week that Nick Bosa felt that that performance was the best the defense had been as a whole during the season. And I think last night or Sunday night was even more so, which uh, bodes well for the San Francisco 49ers and to do it on a national stage. And that was the other thing. These were two teams that were supposed to have the most elite defenses. One of them looked very elite. One of them certainly did not, which will bring us over the 49ers offense. And, Obviously, a great night for George Kittle. He gets three touchdowns after having one target last week. And, you know, something I want to kind of jump in here and say, too, about that is the thing with this team I think is so interesting, and I know I've talked about it before on the podcast and, I, and I've written about it, but no ego here. You have a lot of superstars, and everyone wants to win a Super Bowl, and everyone is willing to do what they need to do to win a Super Bowl. So George Kittle isn't walking around all week being like, you guys better target me more. You know, just kind of... <laughs> works out that way and everybody gets fed so to speak and that's a fun thing to see Stefania well here's the thing is you know I'm very involved in fantasy football yes and uh everyone recognizes George Kittle's talent and of course he had a few years back uh an elite year for fantasy purposes where we really discovered that he had this yak ability this huge Mm -hmm. yard after the catch and he and Garoppolo just connected and has this amazing year and everybody thinks, well, this is going to be how it's going to be from here on out. And I think it's been on the fantasy football side, people have been frustrated because they know the talent is there for the purpose that he would serve in fantasy. And they want him to have a week like that every week, but they don't know when it's going to come. And it's just been really interesting from the 49ers fan side of me and just football appreciation side to watch how the discourse has evolved around Kittle where nobody dares to say anything about his talent. You know, they'll talk about him, you know, where do you rank him as a tight end? And they'll all say he's just too valuable to his real team in the purposes that he serves, whether it's, you know, uh, blocking um, or what have you, but he is not always going to be the target um, to be the pass catcher. And so it was fun to see what he had last night, but I know that this is going to be one of the things that's talked about in fantasy this week is there you go. There's the boom week that you get with George Kittle, you know, once in a while, and then it'll go back to like two catches for, you know, 23 yards. And the rest of the time he was busy doing work, you know, not literally in the trenches of football, but essentially in the trenches in that he's invisible to fantasy managers. Yes. And the 49ers, I don't want to disappoint everybody. They're not super concerned with his fantasy stats. <laughs> going back to what I said before. Find me a team that is, actually. You know? I'm sorry, what did you say, Stefania? I said, find me a team that is concerned. Exactly. Well, let me tell you how bad I am at fantasy football. Just, just so you guys know, this is a quick aside. I'm so bad at it that I have George Kittle on my team, and I still am not going to win this week. 
it was not nearly <laughs> enough to help. Part of it is because my two victories have come because the Dallas defense has scored so many points. It's not my forte. I just do it for fun, but I'm really, I'm, I'm, That's I'm all right. We welcome all skill levels. Into I appreciate that. There's I like no to say, judgment here. I like to say it's because I know too much. That's, That's what right. I decided. You, you do. And the thing is too, that you, sometimes you can overthink it and yes. you do know things you do tend to overthink it. We all do that. I, I do it on the injury front when it when it comes to that. But I, I just, I, I love to see him have a game like that. And wasn't it his birthday yesterday? It's his birthday, it's his birthday on Monday, Monday, October 9th. So there, as the day we're recording this, yes, it is his birthday. Yeah, so, I, you know, good for him. Uh, what a birthday gift. Just, you know, what's fun, Tracy, is I'm so tired. If, you, if it was a few years ago, we were the Dallas Cowboys of last year. Um, where there were injury, uh, there's so many injuries for the Cowboys. I I felt really badly for them, you know, some of them significant. And you saw guys leaving the field, banged up left, right, and sideways. And things weren't weren't working. And they started off, maybe they looked like they were going to be okay. And then they just weren't, and it fell apart. That could have been the Niners a handful of years ago. And the football becomes not fun for the players because they're frustrated because they know they have talent on the team, but they can't execute. What I saw last night was those guys having so much fun. And my favorite part well, and the of the team night, has so much fun. And you can my see favorite, that the team is having so much fun. Winning. And my favorite part of the night might have been when they had the sideline shots when the starters were out. I mean, that has to be demoralizing to Dallas that they've got Sam Darnold in for basically the fourth quarter the Niners do. And mm-hmm. they... Uh, literally their entire defensive <laughs> line rotation was out because that's how dominant they were that they could give everybody else a chance. So those guys are sitting on the sidelines and, you know, patting each other on the back. And I didn't think there was anything inappropriate about what they were doing, but they were just clearly happy um, and so proud of each other. And really you, you felt the energy of a team that knows that they are all playing at the top of their game. And now their challenge is going to be to keep it there because it is only week five. So I, we're going to come back to that in a minute. And we're going to talk a little bit about the the fun part, the winning part and how they go hand in hand, but uh, something, an observation I'm seeing different from 2019 that I'd love to get your perspective on. But first we're going to talk about Brock Purdy because first and foremost, I'm going to say, and Stefani knows I'm going to say, I don't want to hear another word <laughs> about how it's anybody would be great in Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's also not true. If you want to look back a few years, but, and he has so many weapons and that's why he's good. And I had Peter King on the show last week and he said something that I think is worth repeating. He said in sports media, we tend to assign a player to his or her draft pick and they can't seem to get away from that. He was the last pick in the draft. Get over it. He's the guy. I think he is. I really think he is their franchise quarterback. He has now proven that. I, I'm with you. I know you feel the sample size last year was certainly plenty of games. Some people didn't think it was. We're now five weeks in the city season. The man has not thrown an interception since like the 90s. He's he's incredible with his command of the field, his command of the offense, how he reads the defense, the trust Kyle Shanahan has in him. But on top of that, Stefania, as you well know, and I want you to talk about, he's coming off a very major surgery in which he was ready ahead of schedule and does not look like he has skipped a beat. I mean, people have forgotten it. He's been so good. That people aren't saying, and you know, Brock Purdy coming off the elbow surgery. I mean, I think the qualifier that came after his name, Brock Purdy coming off the UCL or coming Mm -hmm. off the elbow surgery, that qualifier dropped after like two weeks. 
people didn't talk about it anymore because it was so far in the rearview mirror just by virtue of how well he's playing. Let me just give you all, I'm going to go back to the, the, health part that you asked me about in a minute, but I just want to share this from next gen stats, which you've probably seen. But to me, this is insane when you think about how not only young he is in years, but essentially young in games. I mean, Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy threw all four of his touchdown passes from outside the tackle box, the most in a game in the next gen stats era. Think about that. Wow. Um, Seven of 10 passes over 10 air yards for 166 yards and three touchdowns. He leads the NFL in completion percentage with over 72% on such passes this season. This is the guy that goes, this goes to the first part of your argument where people are like, "Uh, you know, short passes, middle of the field guy. Um, Excuse me. (laughs) Leads the NFL in completion percentage on passes that are over 10 air yards. Uh, and, and also just um, the, uh, everything, all these superlatives about him in terms of the winning streak, which, uh, you know, if you don't buy that uh, winning is a quarterback stat, I appreciate that. But let's be honest, since he's been starting, they haven't lost a regular season game. So there is something there. And the person but- who gets the blame and the glory is right. always the quarterback. Right, so, right. So even if it's goes. not he alone who wins or loses the game, th- that's, that's associated with him just by the way we talk about the game. And I think uh, when you look at all these things and just the consi- all the numbers speak to consistency, like you can pull any set of data that you want. And I think the thing that, uh, you know, you speak with them all the time. I've spoken with them a couple of times. The thing that most uh, impresses me when I speak with him is the poise mm-hmm. and the relative even keel to his demeanor that I think is what serves him so well in this spotlight. He doesn't fluctuate too much up or too much down, and that probably helped him getting through this injury. Think about this. It has been less than seven months, less yeah, than incredible. seven months since he tore the elbow, the major ligament in his throwing elbow, the ulnar collateral ligament, which, again... This is the same as a Tommy John injury for a baseball pitcher. It's far less common in football. The difference in football is that typically when we see it, it's an acute injury, meaning there's a traumatic situation where it stresses the elbow in a way that causes the ligament to fail. That's what happened to Brock Purdy in last year's um, NFC Championship against the Eagles. And the with changes in the advances in medicine, the way they approach this type of injury, there are some uh, requirements. But if the tissue is healthy enough, which it was in his case, and the tear is in the right location, which it was in his case, uh, that now there is such thing as a UCL repair, where instead mm-hmm. of having to harvest a graft and put that in place, they can actually repair down the native tissue from where it was torn, which is ideal, right? Nothing better than your original tissue. And then they reinforce it with something called suture tape. It's a synthetic fiber tape that is basically there's a check range to the ligament. And why does that matter? Because it allows, uh, not only do you get your mobility back quickly, which you can do fairly well, even with a graft, but it it provides some reinforcement to that repair that makes Mm -hmm. you a little more confident in terms of pushing the rehab as the thrower goes along. So everything, uh, you know, still, uh, um, what's the word I'm trying to say? It's not like there's a book that's been written about how to do this because there's only been Nick Mullins previously with the 49ers who had this Mm -hmm. injury 
and then Clayton Thorson, who uh, is not currently in the NFL, but these are the only NFL caliber quarterbacks who've had it. And certainly nobody with the who has been in a starting role and has returned as the starter. He is the first one. So he's breaking records on the health front in addition to what he's doing from a football perspective. And it's really a testament to his, um, just again, his demeanor, his poise, his confidence, because if you're lacking in any of that, you're not making it back from this in the way that he has. And there's something else I want to point out about him. And I know this is turning into like a Brock, Brock Purdy, like fangirl fest, but that's okay. I think he deserves it. It's um, all supported by data. So I don't care. And it's true. But this, this is, this next thing is not supported by data. This oh, is okay. a human element that I really just appreciate about Brock Purdy. I went last week and, um, and this is a little shameless promotion, but you guys can see it on Instagram, TikTok, uh, Twitter, the NFL tweeted it like uh, ESPN tweeted it sports illustrated I posted it everywhere. It. Yeah. And, uh, Brock Purdy went the four hours do community Tuesday. And number of players go and they do these different community events throughout the year. And just in case anybody listening doesn't know, Tuesday is the player's day off. That's basically their only day off of the week for the most part uh, throughout the season. And Kyle Shanahan said that he did give them Monday off as well. But just for the sake of this, for the most part, Tuesday is really their only day off of the week. So Brock Purdy did every community event last season. But now Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback. All of the things Stefania just said that I have said, he's still doing them. And there he was at the Boys and Girls Club last week on Tuesday, playing dodgeball, doing <laughs> artwork, talking with these kids. And I asked him, why is it important for you to still do this? And he said, we look at football as very important and it is, and we love it, but this is life. And these kids are going through something and they need this joy and Football gives me the platform to do it. And this is what I live for. And the reality is that's who he is. And when he says that, he means it. And I, I do think it is rather incredible that the starting quarterback is going to all these events every week and that he's prioritizing it every week on his one day off. And I, I just think that's worth bringing up because so often we don't get the human element. So often we hear the not great stories. And I think Brock Purdy is such a great story in every way that I wanted to bring that up as well. I'm glad you brought it up. I mean, you, um, kudos to you because you do all, you, you follow all the community service, uh, activities very closely and report on it. And it's honestly quite refreshing to have those stories come up in my timeline mm -hmm. because I think it's really important. I feel like everything's so negative everywhere. Um, and you know, that trickles over into sports as well, that it's really nice to be reminded of what these guys are doing most often away from cameras. You know, there's not big mm -hmm. television cameras promoting that. No. Um, and there, I was the only media person there and I was the only right. media person there really just because I asked, right. Cause I really like doing those events. And I said, is there going to be one Tuesday? I'd like to go. And these things don't, you know, they don't tend to go viral like something negative would. And so I, I appreciate um, the sharing. I'm glad to hear that so many people shared it. And the point the your point about Brock Purdy is he would do it even if nobody was there. This is who he yes. is. And this is what he's doing. And uh, I that's, there was a feature that was done on him. And I can't remember, you know, shame on me. I can't remember where it was, but I, I can't remember if it was on even on our network, but it we looked back at all. It went back to his teachers, I mm -hmm. think from when he was at different stages, like maybe there was a 
high school or middle school teacher and some people from college, but everybody kept talking about how he was the same kid from all these different phases of life. And he was just the same and nothing had changed. And he was the same person now that he was going through school. And they, they all had nothing but kind words to say. And I just remember that being the takeaway of the piece was this is universally who he is. It's not an act. And yet for him to have that demeanor and also be so well-liked in a locker room where you think of it as being a lot tougher and rougher in sports and so well-respected by all these, you know, tough football players. I, I think uh, that that's just a testament to him. So yay, Brock. Yay, Brock. So this is our, this is our Brock Purdy fangirl <laughs> fest, of, but I, I think it was worth it and he has earned it. And you're right. We used it earlier. The data is the data. The results speak for themselves. And I would say, that was is true of him from the time he came to rookie minicamp to today. He doesn't seem at all like a different person. And when you talk about the poise, that's something I've always said. And I always joke that I know that games are not won in press conferences, but his first press conference after that Miami game, he didn't start that game, but he came in very early. They were up against a really tough Miami team, a team who'd been playing really well up into that point. And when he came in to talk to us after that game, I was like, I'm so impressed with the poise and the confidence. And I think it gave, it's that demeanor that gives everybody confidence. So uh, I want to, before we go talk about the fun factor of all of this, and yeah. I'm going to bring up 2019, which, you know, a lot of us have been comparing this or that. Nick Bose actually said something interesting on on Sunday night and obviously Brock's predecessor was a very different quarterback and he said the thing the the difference in the team just in terms of like the offense and and what they're able to do is it was such a run first offense and it still is but the run game was such a huge part of it and now they just have so many weapons and so many ways to open up a playbook and you know air it out and all of the things but something that struck me is that 2019 was an incredibly talented team that team had a, had a lot of fun there's no doubt about it. That was a very fun team. But winning is fun. But And they had fun. So I'm not saying they <laughs> didn't. It was a fun locker room. Everybody was having a good time. Everyone, all of the things. What strikes me about this team is that they feel a little looser. And they're mm -hmm. also having fun. But they'd be having fun if they were, I mean, if they were one and four, maybe it wouldn't be as fun. But if they were four and one, if they were three and two, if they're five, they're having fun. And it, they and they play loose and they have confidence in each other. They have trust in each other, which is something Brock Purdy talked about after week four, the trust they all have in each other. And I just think that makes a huge difference as you're going week after week, because I think that's what makes it each week. They think they're going to win 42 to 10. That's who they are. And not in a cocky way, but in a confident way and in a trust in each other way. Right. And I think that's what comes from maybe it's some of his demeanor rubbing off because that that again is, uh, you know, he's not a, a cocky kid by any stretch, but you just don't look like you can rattle him. And I think that's what you're seeing when he plays. Even Dallas, when they were bringing pressure, he was just getting rid of the ball. And there's one thing I want to point out. And I was so fascinated. I was reading Peter King's Monday Morning Quarterback today. Um, and he had actually spoken with Brock and Kyle Shanahan after the game last night. So it was really nice to see some of the things that he noticed. I thought during the game that there was one pass that Brock Purdy made to Brandon Ayuk that he just, it, for being as accurate as he is, he was off the mark a little bit. Mm -hmm. And they didn't connect. And I know you know what play I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And 
I the camera went to Brock's face and he looked like he was saying something to himself, like he was pissed at oh, something sure he, he did. <laughs> and and knowing, you know, we've heard about this about him, like he will remember the things that he did wrong. He'll do 10 things right, the 11th thing wrong. That's the one he focuses on. And then I saw him come back and make that play later and it worked beautifully. And uh, Brandon Ayuk gets away from like that shoestring tackle. It's touchdown. And Peter King actually got this exact thing in this moment from Brock. And he said, Brock was telling him, yeah. And he went through exactly what he did and what he was mad about and how he wanted to get back at it. And then when Peter King talked to Kyle Shanahan, he kind of laughed because he was thinking about that exact play and basically said to them, we're going to get this back. We're going to do this again and it's going to work. And that's what happened. And I thought that was such a little, you know, inside baseball, but inside football, you know what I mean? Yeah, for of, sure. Of really everything that we're saying. And maybe that's why this marriage between the coach and the quarterback is so strong because they tend to think quite a bit like each other. And so, uh, you know, when, when he, he knew it was like Shanahan knew that Purdy would be on himself for mm-hmm. this mistake and that the way to fix it was to just go back and hit it again. And I just don't recall feeling much of anything like this that at that level in recent years. It's very interesting. It definitely is not. He is Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy. And I'm sure the listeners are like, you say this every week, but it's true. Kyle Shanahan trusts Brock Purdy in a way that we have not seen him trust a quarterback. And maybe it was the way he trusted Matt Ryan. I don't know because I wasn't there, but I wasn't probably paying as close of attention every single week, but he trusts Brock Purdy in a way we've never seen him trust a quarterback. He smiles when he talks about Brock Purdy and they are very much in sync and it shows and it shows on the field. And so that story, it's, it doesn't surprise me. And it's a great, it's a great story. It's great inside football because it does give some insight in to the two of them and their relationship and how they work so well together and it's working. And it's, this is an incredible story. Like should they go on to win the Super Bowl? And Brock Purdy is now in the MVP of the league conversation. And I'm not, I don't think that that's being dramatic at all. He is certainly in that conversation. Like this is a cool story, but they do have miles to go before they sleep. So to speak, Stefania. So we will wrap up by just looking ahead and saying, you know, other than barring injuries, and I think they'd have to have three or four of them. Is there anything that should stop this team from getting to the Super Bowl? Oh, gosh. Um, I am just so afraid to speak it into the universe because I don't, <laughs> I don't want anything to happen. I always think of injuries. I saw some stat today about Christian McCaffrey and just how the volume of work that he's handling and what he's been able to do and how people have been so worried about his injuries in the past. And it's just not being reflected in what he's being asked to do right now. I will say this. I was a little concerned. I, I, uh, there's a little chatter about whether Christian McCaffrey is being targeted. Um, Well, Shanahan was asked about that on Monday. If you want me to let you know what he said. And he, he actually said he does not think so. He thinks it's, he thinks teams are just desperate to find ways to bring him down. So there are face masks being called. He really, and he seemed pretty, I will say there was a fair amount of 
confidence in his voice when he said it. He does not think he's being targeted. He said he's difficult to bring down. It's a desperation to bring him down, frustration to try to get him. I think, you know, I think in the Dallas game, it did kind of look like the plan was just get Christian McCaffrey. But I tend to kind of agree with Kyle Shanahan. I don't really think that people teams are going in there being like, just let's take out Christian McCaffrey. It's just how I don't do we think, stop I don't think so in that way either. Let me be clear. I'm not accusing anyone of doing that. Like, oh, you know, let's take his leg out and then this will happen. I don't believe that for a minute. But I do believe that there's a really gray area there when you have someone like McCaffrey, who's such a threat and he starts to get frustrating in a game. Yeah. So I do think people become more careless and a little more desperate That's probably true. and that incidentally, some of those things can happen, even if they're not players going into a game saying, this is what I'm going to do. The face mask injury scared me. I'm a big, I've always been, you know, for anyone who knows me, I've been outspoken about face mask penalties. I think they should be more than 15 yards when they hang on. Mm-hmm. Um, because the risk of a significant injury is so high when you yank the neck around. And if you go back and look at the play from last night where his uh, McCaffrey's face mask was grabbed and his neck was turned and then he was brought down, all that force is going through his neck. That Mm -hmm. is a very serious injury risk. I've always been outspoken about face mask and horse collar. They're two penalties I just can't stand. And I wish they would be 25-yard penalties because I I want them to be such a deterrent. There are times um, where people, you know, a finger gets stuck in a face mask or people are reaching and accidentally swipe it. That happens. I'm talking about hanging on and grabbing uh, both the horse collar and the face mask because... Those will be the things that can take out a player for a year. We saw Jameis Winston go down a couple of years ago on a horse collar and ended up being an ACL, MCL, meniscus injury. I mean, there, there's a reason those penalties have been looked at. Um, the competition committee takes them seriously. And so I just say that with the, you know, I keep my fingers crossed running backs. As we know, anybody who's followed the discourse on running backs around the league this year and should they get paid? I mean, I don't think anyone would question whether Christian McCaffrey should be paid the, you know, that he had his contract extended back when he was with the Panthers and was able to get paid. And he is a running back who absolutely should. He's a difference maker for a team. Um, He is a game changer on offense. Absolutely. And I think that the word desperation that you use that Kyle Shanahan uses, it gets a very fair point. And I guess the counterpoint to that is that's the, the blessing and the curse of having Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> and right. And, but the thing is like, you know, running back is such a vulnerable position. Any, anybody can get hurt any day when they step on the football field. Uh, that is true. Mistake. We see it all the time, but that I just true. think running backs are more vulnerable because of the way that they get brought down and what happens. Everybody's converging on them when they have the ball and the way the, the hits that they take, it's not even the injury from the direct hit that can happen. Sure. But it's the piling on of people when they're trying to bring them down. It's the repeated contact that in and of itself one time or two times or three times may not be something, but the, the bruising that they take over the course of a game can wear you down physically as the season goes on. So my biggest concern is, is keeping some of the, uh, the guys in the trenches who take a beating and they're out on the field, you know, for every single snap for offense or defense and uh, running backs, particularly Christian McCaffrey. And of course, Brock, but I think 
one of the things Brock's doing so well in terms of getting rid of the ball quickly is helping preserve his health in that way. Yeah. Oh, I think that's true. I think that is absolutely true. Well, next up for the 49ers are the Cleveland Browns heading to Cleveland this weekend. Then they go to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Then they're back home against the Bengals, I believe. I'm 99% sure that's correct. And then it's their bye week. So, Stefania, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it is my pleasure. Anytime I get an excuse to talk about the 49ers and my coworkers are so happy that they're not listening to me um, (laughs) because they're going to have to hear it regardless. I mean, just I'm going to be smug when I walk in the office. I can't help it. Um, But but yes, it's it's fun to watch. It's good. It's also really good football, Tracy. It's really it is. Good it really is. It's really good, really good football. So we will hope uh, for you and the fan base that it keeps on going. T- please tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, yes, on the uh, the X platform, is it now? I, can, I just can't stop calling it Twitter. At Stefania underscore ESPN. At Stefania Bell on Instagram. We have our podcast, Fantasy Focus, which is live uh, on the ESPN app and also on YouTube. And uh, we have uh, this show on Sunday called Fantasy Football Now that's usually on ESPN too. Sometimes we have to split networks if there's an F1 race, for example, but 10 to 1. ESPN two and we for those who play fantasy football. Hey Tracy, sometime when you're not getting ready for a game, you should watch. We'll give you lineup suggestions and tell you that would be helpful. I need it. I might need like a tutorial. Uh, (laughs) That'd be amazing. You guys, we are brought to you by Bet Online. If you like what you heard, and I know that you did, especially if you're a 49ers fan, please give us a five star rating and a positive review positive review you can find me on the x twitter platform at tracy fgsn on instagram at tracy sandler and on instagram is where i do all my pregame photos and videos and all of that so make sure you're following along and with that i will talk to everybody next time bye all Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.